1: You are listening to Habsent-Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com.
0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Habsent-Minded. We're back, we're on a different location once more, and today it's me that's traveled a little bit too far. I think I'm as far north as north is south for you. Uh, Anton Rassegård, thank you again the day before... uh, New Year's Eve and uh, the day after uh, the Florida debacle. Uh, and let's start with this. Uh, two days in a row, two defensively error-filled days against Florida teams. What do you think, Anson? Depends if, if you want to like look at the
1: positives or look at the negatives. I mean, the offense seems to work quite fine. Uh, they, uh, as, as has been the old season, uh, Canadians score a lot of goals. And they have a lot of shots. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the defense is flawed, um, which is um, something that needs to be uh, fixed uh, sooner rather than later.
0: You you you're in favour of sorting out the defense um, as quickly as possible by a trade or or by mixing up the pairings, or or what's your solution to this?
1: The thing is, it's very easy to. Uh, pull
0: the trigger right
1: now Um, I would understand uh, I understand the fans that want a trade Uh, on the other hand I am not one of those Uh, I'm just uh, I don't think that you can get that kind of impact especially not with the players that eventually could be available this time of year Um, I am all for building through the draft and building through um I, we have a lot of uh prospects coming up uh i think it's better to just uh, wait and uh, wait and see even though i want to see an improvement immediately uh, we don't have uh, we don't have the possibility to to just get, go out and get a uh, like a first pairing uh defenseman um on a reasonable contract and uh Either we want uh, to pay for it and it will be a hefty hefty price um, or uh, or we'll just have to um,
0: wait for one of
1: the youngsters to uh, come in and slowly fill that spot.
0: There are different solutions, obviously, and uh, the price for getting one of those players through a trade mid-season is astronomical. Um, and then there are certain players that, you know, the fan base wants to get rid of in a way and, and certain players mm-hmm. that... Uh, they they want to have we're looking at it a little bit from afar since we're in Scandinavia and and maybe more interested in the prospects at the moment um because we both have the same idea of building through the draft building through free agency building through through smart trades not panic trades mm-hmm. it, it's coming up though it's it's um, can we as fans really uh handle another season without playoff hockey in Montreal and and what happens to to the GM in that instance uh well it's
1: difficult to say with uh, Mark Bergevin of course I like most fans have been up and down uh, regarding Bergevin's status in Montreal Uh, on the other hand during the last two seasons I feel like Canadians have shown that they are working in the right and they are going in the right direction uh, even if improvement maybe not happens as fast as we as fans would have liked it, it's still that you can see every season that uh, that the prospect pool is filling up. Uh, we can see that um, many unnecessarily high contracts are something that we get rid of. If we look at Andrew Shaw, for example, who was traded this summer, we can see that he probably had the best season he will ever, you know, he will ever have. And to actually manage to get rid of his cap hit of 3.9 million during that time was probably a good idea by Bergevin. Now we have, what is it, 11 or 12 picks in the upcoming draft. Um, and I could imagine that you would use either like one of these second rounders or something to get a player before the deadline if you can get the right price. Because Bergevin have, has always said if the price is there like if it's value for the money then he's willing to make the trade but he's not going to just trade out of desperacy and i i think that is a good plan uh if he doesn't make a trade i can see canadians actually if they if they have a player in this very stocked draft this summer i can see them moving back up into the first round if they like someone uh and actually uh, selecting maybe two mar- potential marquee players.
0: You say marquee players, but when was the last time someone drafted uh, twice in the top ten? Because that's what we're looking no, no, at. No. Yeah, uh, I, I know. And I know. and I would be have, have to be the Sedin twins, I think. Uh, yeah. And and even if you're looking back to it, we have the fact that um, my, my personal opinion is in this year that we're looking at a draft where one team will trade up to get ask him all askarov even if he hasn't performed at the level in world juniors yet so so there might be a a, a a skater falling down a little bit towards the 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 pick that will most likely be where montreal picks but as i see it it would be around that 10 15 spot once more if montreal goes out of the playoffs or, or doesn't make the playoffs yeah uh, because there are teams that are so much worse and are, have been tanking more or less the whole season. Detroit comes to mind and they're doing a great job of it. I've, I'm, I'm not going to no disrespect to Detroit. They're playing the game and I think they're playing it fairly. Um, but looking, looking back, we have said this, it, it feels like a broken record. we said it uh, over and over again the last three years. It is the, the, the top four defensive spots that needs to be fixed in one way or another. Um, e- even more or less when, when Subban was still here it was one of those things we were talking about like how the depth of the defense and the skill of the top four defensive players and um, right now you, you have Weber and you have Petrie those are fine uh, yeah. you got Victor meta there um, yeah. that, that is performing at a level that, that is, is very good for his age uh, and, and that's fine but then you have I don't think Victor Meta is a first pairing Defender at the moment. Um, I also don't think that that uh, uh, Charo or, or or any of the other defenders coming up are, are are defenders that we should put in those positions. And we've seen it when when we played Tampa, when we played um, Florida these two nights. It's the area in front of the net that is just being left alone, and especially when Claude Julien turtles it, you're 2-0 up, you're 3 nil up you're 4 nil up and, and he, he decides okay let's play it safe mm. and when you bring the foot off the gas pedal it doesn't help and you give up these high quality scoring chances right in front of the net and it doesn't matter if you have the Chinese wall in net at that point uh, because there will be gaps and there will be they, they will have the time and they will have the opportunity and they're at this such short distance, so they will be able to pick those holes, and that's what happened. It doesn't matter if you have Kerry Price in net; he he will save a lot of goals most often, more often than not. But when when you're shooting from three meters out or three yards out, and and uh, and have all the time in the world, it's going to be goals. Yes, that's the thing. And and like
1: what we know, as I said in the beginning, we know that Canadians have a potent offense. Um, I I had, I remember screenshotting um, after 10 minutes in the Tampa game, when Canadians were up 16 to zero in shots uh, to Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, So as long as you don't get the shots, as long as you stop them ahead of that, you know, the defense is fine. But the problem is we have so many goals that we can see that are rebounds that aren't taken away in front of net in the crease or in the slot. And that is the problem that, you know, Carey Price mostly saves the first shot. But then there is no help to actually get rid of the puck.
0: Yeah, and, and, and this was supposed to be the strength of Shea Weber. Uh, we, we know he was a master on the power play and he shot his shot is second to none. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was also, you wanted that big presence to clear out the area in front of Carey Price. And yeah. that hasn't happened. We actually had a goal
1: last night against Florida, which was just exactly that. Shea Weber is right in the, s- in the crease uh, in front of uh, Carey Price with a Panthers player, and he's still not able to, you know, find the puck before the Panthers player, and we have a goal on the rebound. Um, Shea Weber is not the player that he used to be. You have to, like, appreciate the skill set that he has now, but he's not the player that, you know, just plays a hundred percent in front of the own net and is able to you know prevent scoring chances there um, unfortunately we don't really have that player I think that is something that Bergevin tried to fix the summer by bringing in Ben Chirot just because he saw the need for that you know physical defensive presence it hasn't really worked out that way and the question is uh, if you know if there is a a possibility to go after a free agent this summer will bergevin do the same i mean he tried to he tried to get another left-handed d in Jake gardner this summer as well so he knows that you know defense is where he wants to improve the the team um it's just a question of you know finding the right player for the
0: right price yeah but it's the same here you mentioned it uh, market we're 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 in a marketing market system and uh, Every other uh, GM will know that this is what Mark Bergema is looking for and he will have to overpay in one way or another uh, to, to get that player unless he gets it in free agency or getting through the system. And obviously, a lot of talk is about Alexander Romanov, uh, who scored his first goal in the tournament uh, yesterday uh, and his chances of, of being brought over to uh, North America this summer. Uh, we mentioned it that as well as a possible solution and and it's a standing um, discussion in, in in our Slack uh, channel and and we're very divided in our in, in eyes on the price about what will happen. but but there are some ground rules when it comes to to, to Romanov and it's uh, Montreal can only offer an entry level contract first and foremost that, that that's that's what you have to remember he will not be able to, to reach all the... Uh, he won't be selected for, for, for uh, the All-Star game. He won't score as many goals as you think, etc., etc. Like uh, Pedersen, who's just scored a great goal on, on the TV in front of me, uh, or, or, or anyone else, uh, because he is not that... He is an offensive dynamo in many ways, but he won't be that in NHL, especially not in his first season. Second, um, Andrew Zanarski said just this week that uh, Seska is already negotiating with him and they mm. can offer him as much as they want, more or less, because he's under 21, he's a franchise player or a proper probable franchise player. Me, myself, spoke to to, to coach Nikitin of Seska uh, from R- in Riga when I was there and he more or less said straight out, yeah, we're counting on him next year and he will take that next step to make him into a marquee defender. And and this is not something that Mark Bergman will be able to compensate uh, in, in money-wise or, or even time on ice um, if, if it goes up. And Seska and promises that it will go up and they will probably keep that promise. Uh, so, so it's very important in this case. The, then there is the talk about getting Romanov over after Seska has finished their season. First and foremost, they won't finish the season until the earliest stage is the semifinals, the KHL. Because then they're gonna face Seska Moscow or SKA Saint Petersburg. Uh, it, it's a classic. It, it's 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 the first sign of spring in many ways in Russia. It's when the playoffs between uh, Seska and SKA. It's 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 a standard setting in a way, and and it's a great setting for hockey lovers. We all love it. Um, and and even if he bangs out that, um, Seska won't release him. Because they will want to keep his rights for when he returns after his NHL career, so so he can't come over. Earliest he can come over is second uh, of May, and let's be honest, uh, the way Montreal plays right now, there won't be any hockey in Montreal at second of May. The problem is, um,
1: like, well, of course, Bergevin knows about this. That is why you know there there have been. There have been sayings in, in the media and everything that Bergevin is already trying to persuade uh, Romanov to come over next season, uh, because of course he knows that Ceska can offer more money and they can offer the stability of playing in your home country and playing for one of the best best clubs in the KHL and you know getting a bigger bigger role in that system and everything. He knows that Montreal doesn't have leverage and therefore he must start early with these trying to persuade Romanov why he should come over. And that is why he says that already that, you know, we're hoping for Romanov as, as an NHL player next season, because he knows, of course, that if Romanov has to choose between being a top two uh, defenseman in Laval Rocket or being a top four defenseman in uh, in Ceska Moscow, of course, he will choose the KHL.
0: Yeah, th- th- that's the first thing we ha- that, that everyone has to understand if there's even a chance of AHL play romanov's not coming over no and the the, the thing we're hoping for really
1: like romanov what i've been seeing in this championship uh, is the like one of the first times where i've really got to check him out properly and he's exactly the kind of player that Canadians would need on defense. I mean, he's big. He is a s- swift skater for his size. He's both, as you say, an offensive dynamo, but he's also good in his own zone. And he's very physical in the way that he's the kind of player that could actually get rid of um, of opposing, you know, players in the crease and in the slot in the way that Canadians has, has been missing Um and you know it it would it would solve a lot of potential problems if Romanov was able to come over next season
0: but also doesn't Mark bergman open up himself to a lot of criticism yeah. if in fact Romanov signs with Sesca in February which is completely um, it's a big chance that it might happen. Uh, and and uh, first and foremost, in one case, you want Romanov to make his decision early and be sure to tell it to the world that he's staying or he's going. That, that's what you want. Because either club can prepare themselves for next season without him. Uh, so so and, and the fan base as well. but And it opens up a, a, another... Route to success for Bergman because he can start maybe looking for that uh, second pairing, first pairing defender uh, that has the the skills uh, for Montreal for next season. But he can also, as he said, there's Paul a good Bergevin chance has that Rodon comes over next year. Um, and, and I think it's possible well it, that he has received a lot he, of criticism because it has
1: made him if it doesn't uh, have to you know change his approach a little bit. And I think that, you know, he's aware of the possibility that, uh, you know, you can't put all your eggs in uh, Romanov's basket and just think that getting a 20-year-old in will solve all of the defensive problems. So I think he's still looking for a potential trade or a potential free agent if the price is right. He doesn't want to overpay for it because that would just screw up the cap situation, of course. But if there is a possibility of getting um, someone who would improve the defensive line, of course he will you know, try to make that trade happen. And he's shown in the past that he's not afraid to make big splashes uh, if he feels that it's right for the team.
0: Exactly. And, and uh, we, we're looking at it from, from different angles and everyone has their own opinion. Uh, I tend to look at it from the side of that if I'm offered $3 million or two, $1 million, um uh, it's, it's a very easy choice for me as a 20-year-old because you don't know what's going to happen next next year. You don't know what's going to happen injury-wise or anything. So definitely, I'll take the money. It, it doesn't matter for me. And uh, let's also remember if uh, that y- you own the rights for a KHL player much longer. I think it's actually after you draft them, you own them because there is no NHL-KHL agreement you own that rights for forever. Uh, so, so it's very important until you terminate a contract or release him in any way. But he doesn't take up a roster spot. He doesn't take up anything. So, so you keep that player in your garage or, or your stables uh, for as long as you need to. And and you you can look at Kaprizov and, and he was a very good player uh, two years ago. He's an even better player now and he will benefit Minnesota a lot with those two years in, in saska moscow
1: yeah you know it's that is a difficult thing as well because we've seen we, we automatically just expect foreign players that are currently playing in different leagues uh to just come into the nhl seamlessly um you know the way elias pettersson came in from the shl and just dominated in vancouver from from the start really but we've also seen examples uh, of Nikita Gusev in, in New Jersey and Vadim Chipachov in uh, Vegas, where it's just not worked out. We have a history of seeing like some... So, so we, we expect players like Romanov or Kaprizov to just be able to come in and improve the teams that they are drafted by. But there are so many things that we can't really control, that we can't see as fans how you know how the club takes care of the players and all of that and and what kind of role they can offer and You know, it's uh, so as you say if you're offered three million dollars to stay in something, you know is good or being given two millions less to go over and you know potentially have to learn a new language embrace a new culture and coming into a system which you don't really know like it's it's difficult to make the choice that we all want romanov to make of course we want him to come over but would you as a 20 year old like make that decision i mean it's difficult you have to be a real you you have to be willing to challenge yourself to, to make that choice
0: both of us have moved abroad um and to, yeah. to, to for our careers choices and uh there are certain things you, you keep forgetting as well. You need to sort out a bank account, and that's not easy. You need to do uh, learn how to pay the bills because yeah. that, that, that might be a different thing. And you have to, as a 20-year-old, learn to do this for the first time in a foreign country where yeah. you're not sure about the language, uh, etc. Et so there are circumstances around that, that might influence your decision as well. Yeah. Um, I have no doubt that Romano will play in the NHL. Let's be honest with that. I have no doubt. The question is when. Exactly. The question is when. The question is if we're
1: going to see that already in the 2021 season or if we're going to have to wait a few years.
0: Yeah. And moving on, but keeping to the subject, World Juniors is going on. It's a fantastic tournament. Uh, Everyone loves it. Uh, Everyone thinks that it's only Canada that loves it. But you're looking at the TV ratings in Sweden. They are always up by a mile around this time of the year, especially when it's in Europe and everyone can watch it daytime. Uh, Everyone is actually waiting for it to start in just a few hours, even if it's maybe not as an exciting game as as we were hoping. Uh, But there's been some big upsets. There have been some interesting games. There's, personally for me, I'm second guessing the tournament format uh, because there have been two teams that has performed exceptionally well that I didn't think would do it. They haven't got the points to show for it, but they performed at a very high level that I didn't expect, and fair play to that. Um, so, so there's a lot to talk about, but, but first, let's start with the Hans prospect. Um, and what, what, we mentioned Romanov, do you want to add to that, or or, or do you think that subject is finished? Uh, I just want to say about Romanov that, you know, he, he may
1: not, like, yeah, he scored his first goal last night and everything, but it may not show in the point column, but he is uh, the backbone of that team. Uh, it's, uh, it's if, if you check him out thoroughly, you see that, you know, he's someone that who uh, bragging uh, the head coach relies heavily on. And he also got the prize last night against the United States as as the top Russian player. And it was well-deserved, well-deserved for Romanov.
0: Yeah, he was, he was uh, playing two out of three shifts, more or less, in the whole third period when, yep. when uh, Russia was trying to come back. And he scored that goal, a good slapper. He had another good slapper just after. And, and moving on a little bit, is, is uh, Romanov light? If we can say it like that, because he has actually outperformed his uh, partner in the U.S. team. Um, Josh Harris has, has performed very, very well, looks stable, has an assist to his name. Uh, he was plus two in last night's game against Russia that had just exploded against Canada the day before in an extremely good game from, from the Russian, and there were some... Uh, subjects to be discussed after that in, in regards yeah. to how to behave on the ice, and uh, I saw that uh, he has come out and apologized to the Canadian captain, but but uh, in a way Elias, uh, Elias Anderson got, got four games banned for, for tossing his, his medal into the stands this should in some ways be the same kind of punishment if you want to be strict uh, that's my personal opinion, but obviously it's Canada so uh, Sweden gets trashed and Canada gets away with it <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a Swedish pod today, so we can say whatever we want. Yeah, you know we have a Canadian <laughs> audience, right? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> uh, but, but looking at it, Josh Harris has has been so secure, stable. He is not the offensive dynamo and and the upside that Romanum has, but he has performed much better than I thought he would. And uh, you can call him an, a romanum light, but may, maybe also... He He's more uh, defensively inclined, and he will keep that defense secure, as will Romano, but Romano has a bigger upside. Um, this is probably also where I project him in the lineup in a couple of years. Uh, Brooks will... will um, uh, Harris will will probably be a, a bottom two defender, whereas Romano will be a top two defender. But but it's, it's very good to see him. Then we saw... Um, Cole Caulfield hasn't really had the start of the tournament that any of us thought. The thing is that I think that
1: uh, Scott Sandlin, uh, the American head coach, has found a perfect spot for Jordan Harris. Uh, But I don't think he has found a a, a possible, well, an optimal spot uh, to use Cole Caulfield's talents. And that is much thanks to, uh, or, or much due to the fact that the American team has a lot of Uh, prime goal scorers both Oliver Wallstrom and Arthur Kaliev gets more more time uh, On the power play and um, in that spot that you would want to see Cole Caulfield So uh, it feels like Cole Caulfield is being underused But of course, I'm just saying that because I'm a Habs fan and I want Caulfield to uh, to excel the way that I think he could
0: But also we have Caulfield at about 13 minutes a game Which is, yeah, yeah, it's below average. If you you look at it, that's 15 minutes for for a forward. And uh, he doesn't get the power play time, as you say. He doesn't get the easy goals, maybe, as he got in the under-18s. There is an adjustment period. Should we be worried about his his projection?
1: No, not at all. He has shown this
0: season as a freshman in the NCAA that
1: he is everything that the Montreal Canadiens thought he was when they drafted him. But as I said, you know, with that kind of player, you like I feel the same way about Alex Turcotte. He's a line mate in uh, in Wisconsin that he is also being underused. Uh, but it's a fact that the American team is top heavy. I mean, it's uh, it's an amazing offensive lineup they have. And uh, next season, for example, Oliver Wallstrom will be gone, uh, and Cole Caulfield will probably be slotted into his spot if his development continues the way we think it's going to continue.
0: Uh, so you reckon that Carl Calfield will be in the World unions next year and not in the NHL?
1: It's a difficult question, Patrick. Uh, I of course hope that he will take a spot in Montreal, but yeah, it's uh, it's something to uh, think about during uh, during the spring and something we can uh, we can pod about uh, later in the year.
0: I mentioned it earlier that there were, that, that I've had a, a revelation uh, about. German hockey, we actually mentioned it in the preview, you did. Uh, fair play to you, Anton. Um, but uh, how Germany is slowly progressing with the development system. Uh, they have a good team on the ice right now. Uh, they, they've scored some upsets as well. And don't get me started on, on how to sort out the relegation uh, premises in, in Group B. Uh, because... It, it it'll take a nuclear scientist to figure that one out after a while, uh, but but looking at it, it's it's really really interesting, and uh, I mentioned it in, in again in, in a Slack channel for for eyes on the price that. sooner or later, I think we will have to uh, look at the format of the of the tournament and maybe add two teams, because Germany has nothing right now. They have the uh, ski jumping week, which is huge in in Central Europe. So I should not say nothing, but. Uh, the Bundesliga is on a hold because it's Christmas and New Year's holiday. They have a break for that. Uh, the Biathlon World Cup is a little bit up and down, doesn't perform it. Uh, I think it's New Year's Day they're coming back. And and uh, it's 70, 80 million people and with, with quite a lot of buying power. If you get Germany to stay up in the A-group, you want to keep them there. Uh, and, and how do you do that? Yeah, you add two lower-ranked teams. You get... Six teams in each group. It might prolong the tournament, but I would assume that even uh, Canadians and and Americans would would perform to have a little bit of a longer tournament, and and because we we all love to see these projects and say we were right or say that we are wrong or we don't mention when we're wrong, but but we, we definitely mention when we're right, and I think this is, you know, you're looking at it, you also see a team like Kazakhstan coming in and playing fantastic hockey, smart, they're playing the trap to to. perfection uh, but also you're looking at it and and some of those games that that Germany has lost and then especially Katraksan has lost has been due to the fact they played two two games on the trot against two top teams and they have performed very very well in the top first or in the the first game and they haven't really been able to to keep that level up all through the second game because they've started the second game very well but but they can't keep up and uh, it wouldn't surprise me sooner or later that we go to a 12-team format.
1: No, I think as well, the reason why we've had a 10-team tournament is because there hasn't really been 10 teams who've been on the level expected. Um for challenging in a, in a world junior championship and now this season it actually feels like we we may have that uh neither team like of course kazakhstan lost to finland seven to one last night or yesterday afternoon so so we shouldn't say that kazakhstan is a team challenging for you know a top spot yet but they've shown that they are not Uh, they are not without a shot against teams like Slovakia. And then you feel like with Germany beating uh, the Czech team as well, you feel like, oh, but it could actually be possible to add two more teams and actually get these uh, teams that are currently fourth, fifth place, actually, um, you know, a possibility to actually, you know, switch around and get a possibility to to actually increase their... um, well, just increase their stability in the in the top division.
0: Yeah, and and you you we will have we all see it here in Europe that the German teams are pre- performing at a better level when compared to uh, a couple of years ago. They're they're uh, getting rid of some of the uh, um, things that you don't want to see in hockey, especially on European hockey, the fights, and and you're getting more skilled players. Uh, you see uh, Red Bull Munich, you see Eisberg and Berlin, you see uh, uh, Red Bull uh, Salzburg, is, is Austria, sorry. But, but you see other German teams that are progressing and, and going deep into the Champions Hockey League. And that will benefit as well. And, and you, as I said, sooner or later, Germany is twice the size of, of Canada. If you can get them interested in hockey and get them interested in, in, in junior hockey, Especially when there's nothing else on TV come come Christmas and, and New Year's, mm. uh, and and have every other tournament in Europe uh, with a with a population that is known to be traveling, known to be great hosts. Uh, You're gonna make sure that the, that team stays up. This is and not. The- this is unfortunately for, for, for friends of mine. This is not Denmark. This is not a four million population country uh, mm. that has a good generation. You want to secure Germany so they can have a bad generation and still be up.
1: Yeah, and we can see as well, we have uh, now a, a real franchise player in the NHL, in Leon Dreiseitel who of course will raise the interest level in Germany when they actually have a player who is one of the best in the world. And that is something we can already see the benefits of. As we talked about in our last podcast, like three years in a row, potentially now, we've seen German players go go high in the draft. That includes the 2020 draft, where we can see players like both John Jason Paterka and um, Tim Stutzle go go in the first round. Um, so yeah, like of course, Germany's interest will grow. And as you say, there is a possibility of attracting a population that is... 70, 80 million people, and uh, that is something that probably for such a small organization as the International Ice Hockey Federation is uh, too good of a chance to to actually pass up.
0: When you look back at the tournament, uh, we haven't mentioned one of the one of the prospect. He signed a new contract, and I've just written about it in the European Prospect Report that will come out in about three hours, um, and and it's Matthias Norlander, but but he signed a new contract with Modo. It's a contract that has a uh, out clause in it uh, if Modo doesn't uh, progress to the SHL. Uh, then Norlinder has the opportunity to break it, but it's his choice. He will have to make that choice to stay in Hockey Alsonskan. Well. To be fair and honest, I don't think he will. I think he will break that uh, as soon as he can if Modo doesn't make the, the promotion. But, but looking at it, uh, it's a very interesting concept, and, and I've written about it, uh, f- so there might be some uh, a, a tough lesson <laughs> here, because you, you might have read it already when you're listening to this. But uh, teams in Sweden, the, the silly season is already on in Sweden. You have to realize that. So teams are already preparing themselves for next year. They're, they're looking into, uh, SHL teams are looking into Matthias Norländer, they are looking into to potential defenders to add to their squad. Uh, I mentioned the EPR, three teams that I think would be work perfect if, if he doesn't stay with Modo. And it's it's going to be, um, but, but at least it calms Matthias Norlander down, it comes Modo down, it calms the SHL teams down, and actually it calms uh, Montreal Canadiens down because they will, if, if he comes over, they can invite him to camp, that's fine, but if he doesn't make the team, they will have to offer him back to his uh, European team before they can send him down to AHL because he wasn't picked in the first round. Uh, and, and let's be honest, if, if an SHL team, be it Modo or being another team, uh, they, they will take that player back in a second unless the player really, really states that I want to stay here because I'm so close to NHL, I want to stay. But But most likely they will cut him early if if they don't see that he he is NHL ready, and then he will go back to to a European team if he has a valid contract. Uh, I think this is a great solution for for Matthias Norlander in particular. Uh, but I like that they are honest about it; that they're getting it sorted very early, and it might temper the expectations on Norlinder as well for um, Montreal Canadian fans. Sure, like uh, I think that
1: it's um, it's a, it's a great solution uh, where. He can choose if he wants to, if he, if he feels like he can develop uh, properly in Modo next season, he can just stay put. Um, but I think that being an, a 19-year-old, I think uh, no matter what happens, he wants to take the next step next season um, in the same same manner as uh, Jakob Olofsson has been doing uh, this season. Uh, so so I, I would expect him to play in the SHL or if if he deem- if he's deemed ready that he comes over next season uh, that that is up to up to Canadians uh, scouting department to 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 make sure of that but you know but based on based on this season i would say that you know SHL would be good for him to to try out at least one season before coming over
0: yeah and and i think that what what you really have to be aware of here he can't come over to play the AHL no it's, it feels unnecessary if modo doesn't earn the promotion, then we're, we're, the AHL becomes a valid choice again. But yeah. this is now a choice for Matthias Norlander. It was yeah. it it always was a choice for Matthias Norlander, but he has secured it in in a more understandable way. Maybe yeah. Anyway, anything more to add in desperation trades in uh, World Junior progress or anything at all? Uh, no, I. I just think
1: that you know for for the sake of our canadian listeners we won't discuss the uh, the demolition against russia we will leave that out of the podcast because uh, i think that you know otherwise we will have a lot of suicidal listeners and of course we want to have as many listeners as possible even for next year's podcast so
0: thank you anton and uh, to all our listeners we uh, we wished you happy holidays last time and now we're going to wish you Uh, Very Merry New Year from Sweden. Happy New Year, everyone.